All right. Hope. <laughs> hope is a strange and powerful thing. I mean, on the one hand, we say things like, I hope I get Legos for Christmas, or uh, I hope my team wins. And yet, people also hope for a child. People hope for freedom. Hope is what keeps us from drowning in grief when we lose a loved one. Hope is what drives people working for justice and for a better world. Hope is what we cling to when life unravels. Hope is a a strange and, and powerful thing. Because we're human, because we experience Uh, Those moments where we teeter on the edge of despair, where present circumstances don't always indicate that things are going to just work out for the best. We need and we long for something more than just glass half full optimism. Optimism is choosing to see how circumstances could work out for the best. We need something more tenacious, more imaginative, We long to know that someone holds the glass, not just that it's half full. We all long for hope to be on the way. It's a good thing that hope is the anthem for followers of Jesus. At least it's supposed to be. Our anthem, our song, our very way of being in the world. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our readings this morning come from the prophet Isaiah and from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, First from Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verses 27 through 31. Listen for God's word. Why do you say, Jacob, and declare Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my God ignores my predicament? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond human reach, giving power to the tired and reviving the exhausted. Youths will become tired and weary. Young men will certainly stumble. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength They will fly up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. From the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, beginning with verse 39. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women and He has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises He made to her. Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of His servant. Look, From now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors Him as God. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered 
those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of His servant Israel, remembering His mercy, just as He promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this was no sweet lullaby in anticipation of Jesus' birth. This was an anthem of hope that Mary sang. Soon after, the angel Gabriel announced to Mary the astonishing news that she would bear the long-hoped-for Messiah, Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was also expecting a baby. As Mary greeted Elizabeth, the, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, who would grow up to one day be John the baptizer, leaped inside of her. And Elizabeth uh, exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mary, of course, responded by, by singing a song of praise, an anthem of hope about the world turning around. This song of hope that, that Mary sang was a familiar tune for God's people, Israel. It was a part of the, the major theme and, and thread of hope running throughout the Old Testament. Imagine Mary growing up and hearing her parents, who would have taught her about the writings of Moses, the, the creation story. She would have heard the great foundational story of the Exodus about how God saved God's people and delivered them. She would have heard the prophet Isaiah's daring and defiant message of hope and salvation and promised Messiah to once again deliver God's people uh, in the future, just as God had done in the past. She would have heard that imaginative vision of God's dream for God's people and for the world. The Old Testament has two words for hope. Yachal and kavah. Yahal means to wait for, as in Noah had to yahal in the, in the ark for weeks until the waters receded. Kava also uh, means kind of this waiting and, and eager expectation for something, but it goes a little bit deeper. The, words, the word's origin comes from describing the tension in a strand of rope pulled tight between two things. Which, if you really think about it, is actually a, a powerful image of hope. Hope is a rope or a thread pulled tight between God's faithfulness and God's future. Pulled tight between God's faithfulness and God's future. Which we can grab onto in the present. Even when things unravel, this thread, this rope of hope is there and it holds firm. This is the word, this is the message of Isaiah 40. It's clear that he's addressing the the despondency of Israel in the face of destruction of Jerusalem, exile. Circumstances are not clear that everything is just going to work out in the end. The, the people are saying things like, God is ignoring us. God doesn't care about our situation. In other words, these, these people are at the edge of despair. They can't find something within themselves. And Isaiah counters by pointing them outside of themselves to God's character, God's faithfulness, God's purposes. God is the everlasting God. God doesn't grow weary. God gives power to the weak and revives the exhausted. And then he says, those who kavah the Lord, those who hope 
in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly with wings like eagles. Those who, who grab on, right, grab onto the rope, pull tight between God's faithfulness and God's future will find strength. This is a reversal of despair. Hope for God Himself is all that Isaiah and God's people can cling to. They can't, they couldn't cling to their external circumstances. But God's past faithfulness, yes. And it motivates hope for the future. Mary's anthem is doing the same kind of work. It's doing the same thing. Her song is a summary of God's faithfulness and therefore by extension what she hopes God will do in and through her son, Jesus. Her words dared to declare a new reality that she hopes God is bringing about. And, at the same time, a reality that is consistent with God's faithfulness in the past. It's kavah. It's a rope pulled tight. Listen to her words again. Holy is His name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors Him as God. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of His servant Israel, remembering His mercy just as He promised to our ancestors. Can you hear it? God's character? God's faithfulness? Can you see that, that rope of, of hope? Mary clings with great joy to what she knows about God and dares to speak about a future in which God will act that same way again. Circumstances can change, but what is not touched by situation is God's great character and God's great promise. The subject of Mary's song, Jesus, her own son, is also our hope. Jesus' is coming, his, his birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, is the ground for Christian hope. That's one, end of, that's one end of the rope, right? That's one end of the rope. The other end is tied to the promise of His return to finish His new creation, to make all the sad things come untrue, to right every wrong. We can hold on to that. Or rather, it holds us up. But, but notice something else about hope. Hope is a rope, but it's also daring to see things upside down or right side up. Mary imagines a world shaped by the faith that she has known. She begins in praise of God's faithfulness to her, to her and then speaks of a world shaped after God's intentions. Now, us, to us, this looks like a world upside down. Turned upside down. But that's exactly what hope does. And Mary dares to declare that this reversal is actually about, is, is about the power of God to turn the world right side up. She imagines a reality in which our broken and unjust status quo is reversed. The proud are scattered and the humble honored. The hungry fed, the rich sent away. The powerful brought down, the lowly lifted up. In other words, Mary is describing a world reordered and renewed, defined by love and justice that only the Savior she carries in her womb can bring about. These are the lines that are both beautiful and dangerous. The ones that have been banned 
at various points in history. And I confess, I feel this simultaneous need to to tame them because they do carry this edge, especially for most of us who have status and power. And yet I'm also drawn to them like a thirsty person to the kind of world that she describes. It's hopeful, right, to imagine a reality without hoarding, without scarcity, where poor receive good things and not leftovers. God's mercy and justice just flowing everywhere to all people. It reminds me in a way of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. It too was this exercise in in tenacious, imaginative hope. It was deeply rooted in God's dreams and God's purposes. It it drew tight the line between old failed racism and new human community with the possibility of what could be. And it also dares to see things upside down. Can, Can we imagine with hope like Mary or Dr. King, even when it seems upside down. I was captivated by a Facebook post uh, that I saw two weeks ago that demonstrates this notion of hope. And I'm going to get, I'm gonna get um, Katie to, to pull it up. I, I, I saw it about two weeks ago. It's a picture of uh, a small Jewish menorah against a window. And outside the window, in the background, there's a Nazi swastika flag. The caption reads, Rachel Posner took this picture from her window in Kiel, Germany in 1931. On the back of the picture, she wrote, Our light will outlast their flag. Our light will outlast their flag. The audacity, right? Our light will outlast the darkness. Our love, God's love will outlast our evil. God's justice will outlast our injustice. God's new creation will outlast death. God's abundance will outlast our scarcity. And on and on and on hope goes, daring to see things upside down or right side up. So how, how do we live in the way of hope? How do we make hope our anthem? Our song, like it was for Isaiah, for Mary. I was recently, by way of another book, introduced to an old English word used in Beowulf that I find really helpful when it comes to hope. It's mirkstapas, which is translated border walkers. And it comes from a time when certain people would live on the edge of their tribes, going in and out of them. The way of hope is border walking, going back and forth between God's past faithfulness, God's promised future, and the present reality that confronts us. It's almost like we enjoy confusing our tenses a little bit. Notice that Mary describes these reversals, these acts of God, as if they've already happened. He has brought down. He has shown mercy. He has filled He has sent. Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor says, prophets almost never get their verb tenses straight because part of their gift is being able to see the world as God sees it, not divided into things that are already over and things that haven't happened yet, but as an eternally unfolding mystery that surprises everyone. What would it be like for us to mix up our senses? Our, our, excuse me, what would it be like for us to mix up our tenses 
like Mary and other hopeful prophets? What would it be like to be, to be border walkers? Living as if the world Mary describes, the world Scripture points to when heaven and earth are one again. God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. is already here. To look to the past faithfulness of God coming to our rescue, to see our future complete renewal in order to live in, in the now. The way of hope means we look to the past to see the future to live in the now. We look to the past to see the future to live in the now. We look at the faithfulness of God to bring about life from death, light out of darkness, a turning of things right side up, and envision a future where God finishes that same work. And that empowers us to live in light of that hope right now. Because what we hope for, what we hope in, we live for. What we hope in, we live for. Even when it's hard. Even when it feels like just a thread. It, it reminds me of, of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. A beautiful story that begins and ends with hope. As this tale unfolds, Middle-earth is beautiful but in peril. When the reader uh, arrives on the scene, the Dark Lord Sauron is threatened to destroy it, abolishing all that is good and, submit, and submitting it to his evil will. There is only one way to defeat him, and the chance of success is tiny. Return Sauron's all-powerful ring to the place of its creation and destroy it before uh, he can reclaim it. Despite the situation, a small band joins forces to take up this desperate task. With Frodo as the ring bearer, they journey towards Mount Doom as Sauron's dominion grows. Just a tiny, tiny beacon of hope in the gathering darkness. Border walkers walking between the world they once heard about and the promise of a new day. The mission, it seems, always is hanging by just a thread. Of hope. It's a daunting task, and yet time after time after time, this ragtag band of, of border walkers continue on clinging to the knowledge that what they're fighting for is good, true, and beautiful in the face of evil and death. It's not our part to master all the tides of the world, the wizard Gandalf says, but to do what is in us for the rescue of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. So compelling, right? And yet, fellow border walkers, we have something infinitely more compelling than Frodo and company. We live in relationship with the one who is our hope, Jesus. And there is no promise Jesus will fail to keep. There is no injustice the Messiah will not up in. And there, there is no darkness or death strong enough to tear us from our Savior's arms. Friends, you may be teetering on the edge of despair right now. Perhaps all of us have been in that place at some point, especially over the last two years. In many ways, it feels like our, our society is on the brink of despair. But you need to know there is a rope. There is a lifeline. There is a hope. In the midst of all the unraveling that happens in our lives, 
And in our world, there is always a thread, a rope of hope strung tightly between God's faithfulness and God's future. It's the power to be able to see things upside down. To live in the present moment because we imagine, we can imagine that God is up to something. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be people of hope. A hope that gives us patience, a hope that gives us confidence, a hope that fuels our, our perseverance. Hope is a strange and powerful thing. Let's find it. Let's embody it. Because it is our anthem on the way. It is the way. It is Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.